wanted a husband, a house, and some offspring. Was that so much to ask? The Lord commanded his children to be fruitful, to multiply, and to populate the earth, and Essie intended to do her part. Mr. Rowland stepped on to the red, white, and blue festooned podium, stuck two fingers in his mouth, and whistled. The piercing sound cut across the hum of the crowd, quieting the townsfolk as they gathered round. Essie placed a hand against her stomach to calm the turmoil within. Boxes and baskets of every size, shape, and color covered the tables beside the podium, and though no supper had the owner's name tacked to it, everyone knew whose basket was whose, for the ribbons or doodads on a girl's box revealed her identity as surely as a stamped beehive identified Dunbennett China. Skimming the crowd, she swallowed. Papa and Uncle Melvin were nowhere in sight. Lily Sue's box came up first and the bidding began in earnest, the young bucks all vying for the privilege of sharing a meal with the doctor's daughter. Essie studied the unmarried men and widowers close to her age. There were not too many of them. Mr. Fowdy, a cotton farmer from south of town. Mr. Weddick, a widower who'd outlived three wives so far. Mr. Crook, owner of the new mercantile. Mr. Clocker, Mr. Snyder, and Mr. Peoples. She catalogued every man in attendance, discounting the ones who were too old, too young, or too unsuitable in temperament or occupation. A silence descended, and Essie turned to the podium. Mr. Roland held her basket high. "'Come on now, fellers, bid her up. This basket belongs to who I think it does. You'll find something guaranteed to delight your fancy.' No one offered a bid. Essie's stomach tightened. Her head became weightless. Blinking, she tried to see through the sunspots, marring her vision. Now, boys, a basket like this is worth more than a pat straight flush, so who'll start us off? Still, no one bid. Pretty little Shirley Bunting leaned over and whispered to her friend, I cannot imagine why some old biddy would keep bringing her basket year after year when she knows nobody wants it. How embarrassing for her father. Her friend nudged her and indicated Essie with a nod of her head. Shirley turned, eyes wide. Oh, hello, Miss Sprinklemeyer. A lovely afternoon we're having, isn't it? Essie inclined her head. The girls hooked elbows and giggling disappeared farther into the crowd. Someone yelled, Where's Sprinklemeyer? Why ain't he speaking up? We're ready to bid on Betty Lou's. Essie focused on the auctioneer, refusing to look anywhere else. Mr. Rowland scanned the crowd and stopped when he came to her. Where's your daddy, Miss Sprecklemeyer? She took a trembling breath. He uh, stepped away for a moment. Well, then why didn't you say so? I'll just put this ear basket to the side. And when he gets back, you have him come on up and get it. I know he's good for it. She attempted a smile, but wasn't sure it ever formed. By the time the auction finished and everyone dispersed, Essie's basket stood alone on the podium. Slowly moving forward, she picked it up and walked home never once looking back. Essie closed her eyes and tapped the top of her bronze lady's falcon pen against her lips, trying to envision the men who had attended the picnic. Opening her eyes, she wrote Mr. Clocker's name down and proceeded to cover the ruled octavo notepaper with a list of his attributes and shortcomings. Still has his hair, hard-working, tight with his money, lets his children run wild... Within the hour, she had a comprehensive list of the eligible and attainable bachelors in Corsicana. She blew on the wet ink and stamped the pages with her blotter.
There was something a little frightening about seeing the words in black and white. Was this what men did when they considered whom they wanted to court? If so, what would a man list under the positive and negative columns concerning her? Whatever it was, she'd obviously come up short. Placing her pen in its holder, she leaned back in her chair and studied the papers spread out on her desk. Father, guide me, she prayed. Show me which one. But no answer was forthcoming. Closing her eyes, she whirled her finger above the papers as if stirring some giant cauldron, then spontaneously landed her finger on the table. She opened her eyes. Mr. Peoples. Leaving her finger in place, she leaned to the right so she could read what item she'd pointed to. Bits of chest hair poke up out of his collar. She snatched her hand away. Maybe she should sleep on it, pray more about it, and in the morning she would choose a man and launch her campaign.